808 nearly. Um, is Tada a taxi or not? My opinion is absolutely yes. It is a taxi. It, it, it looks like a taxi. It acts like a taxi. It um, certainly takes people from A to B for payment. Um, in every sense, I, I would categorize it as such. But um, this is where legal loopholes get a little bit grey. Last week, prosecutors indicted two executives of SOCAR and its subsidiary value creators and company for illegally operating the paid transportation service. The sole private taxi association had lodged a complaint earlier this year, but the move was somewhat unexpected as the government had been trying to broker a compromise between the existing taxi industry and mobility startups through dialogue. Professor Kimber Wan from the College of Business at Keist joins us on the line for further analysis. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, first, what do you make of the prosecutor's decision to actually indict Tada executives? Well, actually, I think that uh, this is not uh, simply a legal issue. Uh, from a more comprehensive perspective, it can be a social, uh, political, economic, or even cultural issue. In other words, uh, this is about national strategy. So I want to emphasize this, uh, you know, we as a society uh, have to decide how we're going to deal with uh, technological innovations in the future. Do we want to embrace new technological innovations and do we want to utilize them in an advantage for, you know, enhancing the utility or welfare of society as a whole? Or do we want to reject technological innovations? Do we want to prevent them uh, from entering our daily life? Because we fear that, uh, you know, those technological innovations will cause some disruption to the status quo. So in my opinion, we should resolve this issue maybe politically among government officials and managers and the drivers and even labor unions, even before it is, uh, you know, settled in the court. Uh, that's my that's my thought. As someone who takes all forms of transportation in Seoul a lot, I feel like um, this is an issue more about competition and fairness than technology. And the reason I am saying that is that traditional taxis benefit from the same technology and consumers of traditional taxis benefit from the same technology as Tada users in the respect that you can still use your smartphone to book an ordinary taxi. We know about Kakao Taxi, for example. Um, the, the problem people have with Tada seems to be uh, that it's uh, going through this loophole of, of, of being an 11 to 15 seat option. Uh, and as I've pointed out in the show before, I, I don't think I would comfortably fit even 11 people in one of these vehicles. Um, but but technology-wise, it's not using anything special compared with a taxi, is it? Uh, it is not just the technology. It, it is also the business model. When you look at this uh, traditional taxi industry, uh, there might be some individuals, and, and there are also big companies, taxi companies. They hire, you know, a lot of you know, drivers. And I think that uh, the traditional taxi industry is highly regulated and protected by government. So that's kind of old business model. Whereas uh, Tada is a kind of a new business model. So I don't think that this is not just, uh, you know, competition. 
yeah. is uh, a much more complex issue. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I said competition and fairness, and and let's get into the fairness side of it. I mean, competition. I'm generally, and, and like many others, would be in favour of. Hopefully, to the benefit of consumers, we get more taxi options out there on the road. But, but from a fairness point of view, if you've got these uh, startups coming along, uh, using apps as a way of getting around regulations that ordinary taxi drivers face they can then skip these huge license fees that taxi drivers have to pay what's your take on that you know uh, again that's kind of an old framework we have to think out of the box i uh, think about uh, when uh, the email was not available when uh, the email was not available you have to buy stamps and you put the stamps on the envelope and you bring that uh, envelope to the post office. Now you can use email, which is faster, which is more convenient. Do you have to pay for email? No. So the business model is completely different. So it's not an issue of fairness. Do you think it's fair to buy, you know, a license plate paying 80 or 90 million won? That's not a, that's not a fair system. So when the, all the traditional system is not fair in the first place. Why do we need to force innovators to follow the old rules? So we have to get out of this, uh, you know, old way of thinking. Right. That's my point. I mean, again, I certainly wouldn't suggest um, that people should necessarily have to pay that much money for a taxi license. But if the traditional taxi drivers do have to pay the license, uh, and it costs over 70 million won these days. It was more in the past. You you would think that they would be upset if you've got these other Tada drivers coming along and they don't have to pay any license fee. Yes, that's true. That's why I think that we have to approach this issue from a bigger and more comprehensive perspective. We have to ask whether, you know, allowing this technological innovation will enhance the utility of the society as a whole. If our answer to that question is yes, then we have to think about uh, then who are those people who will suffer because of this new technological innovation. As you pointed out, the drivers who already paid 80 million or 90 million want to buy the plate, then we have to find out solutions to help them to minimize their pain during this transition. So you're just uh, totally banning new innovative companies from doing their business is not the solution. And that's my point. Right. No, I, and I agree. Um, the, 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 the area of friction here as well, though, in, in, with regulations, is that obviously some regulations are there to, to protect us too. And uh, we, we're seeing actually, for totally different reasons, Airbnb coming under um, difficulties over um, a, a mass shooting at, at one of its premises outside of Korea. But, but if you've got taxis coming along or taxi-like services that are not regulated as taxis and let's say somebody gets badly hurt or somebody is abused in some way if they're not under the same regulations as traditional taxis are consumers as well protected is there a way for example of the government freeing up this industry through business innovation but at the same time offering consumers good prices like we enjoy now with taxis and safe services 
Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's exactly what the government is uh, supposed to do. Government should not just banning all these, uh, you know, uh, new changes and technological innovations. They have to embrace those new technological innovations. And at the same time, as you point out, they have to come up with some, you know, rules and framework so that we can ensure that the consumers and the passengers are, you know, safely protected. So my point is that every sector in our society should uh, should be open-minded and they should come up with creative solutions, not just the banning, not just the prevention, not just the, you know, rejection. Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, I, I'm sure many of us would be on the same page. Coming back to this question of the legal loophole, though, uh, Tada did, I mean, can we not say fairly certainly that Tada did basically... Um, know what it was doing going through this loophole. I mean, uh, anyone who's been in a Tada car would know that um, it's not a comfortable ride for 11 people, but they're going through that as a way of of, of registering themselves as as one of these 11 to 15-seat vans. Do you you not think that that was um, something that they did knowing they were going through a loophole? So I think that uh, there are two ways to look at wh- why this company started in that way. One one way to look at this issue is just uh, what you mentioned. I mean, that the company was shrewd and the company is cunning and uh, the company tried to find a loophole. The second interpretation, second approach is that, okay, these mobility services are very much customer-centric services. In other words, they want to serve their customers. But the Korean taxi industry is highly regulated and the, the government is very rigid. So the only way they can provide the customers with uh, high quality service is find out some legal loophole. And that's why, you know, they chose that path. So I, I would just say that uh, nobody knows w- which one is correct. But what I'm saying is that uh, if you look at the customer's response to this Tata business, everybody feels, not everybody, but Many people say that it's comfortable, it's more reliable, it's cleaner, it's more transparent. So customers do feel satisfaction with this, uh, you know, service provided by Tata. Right. So we have to think about uh, whether this uh, highly regulated traditional taxi industry has any incentive to improve itself under this uh, current situation. We have to look at that part as well. Right. I mean, you're right. Many of those things are true. But of course, if there were as many TADA vehicles as there are conventional taxis, and if they operate for a few years, and if that number of people are using them every day, they're they're quickly not going to be quite so fancy. And and one other thing I want to say in defense of taxis that I've, because I've criticized them a lot in this show, is that they are very cheap for a for a highly developed uh, and advanced economy like the one we have. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to finish you, Profe- Professor Kim, though, by just um, asking one further point. When it comes to innovation, do you think we could maybe create further uh, steps for innovative car sharing services? Like, for example, say, right, if you are an electric vehicle, then we'll treat you differently. Or if you're doing something that's genuinely innovative on the technology side, then we'll treat you differently. Is there room for that kind of um, compromise here? Uh, Well, it's not about uh, treating some companies differently. We as a society and economy must have a principle in the era of this digital transformation. 
old way of thinking about regulation and protection and, you know, put more pressure on uh, private companies uh, and the government leading all these, you know, solutions. That kind of mindset is not compatible with uh, this digital transformation and so-called fourth industrial revolution. So the government uh, must be open-minded and the government should be ready to embrace new technological innovations from the perspective of customers, from the perspective of, uh, you know, consumers. So the government should not be afraid of uh, some situation where some, you know, part of society will suffer more severely because of this disruption due to the technological innovation. So the the government should find the solutions how to help those people who will be left out of these technological innovations, not trying to prevent the technological innovations altogether. Professor Kim, thank you. Really nice to have you with us on the line today. Thank you.